0: The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air across Kentucky with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is your chance to get the latest news and views on your cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. And you can interact with Tom by tweeting at Leach Report or by emailing Report at gmail.com. And you can call the drinksword.com hotline, 877-904-1080. Now. Here's Tom Leach. Hey, everybody. Welcome into our show for a Tuesday. Kind of a, a building anticipation with the shows this week leading into that game on Saturday down in Athens. Uh, we'll head out uh, sometime with the team on Friday afternoon. Uh, and um, game time will be mid-afternoon on Saturday. We'll obviously going to be talking uh, primarily about that matchup all this week. We'll do that today with Chris Doring from the SEC Network with Larry Vaught from Vaught's Views and with John Hale from the Courier-Journal. I'll be working a little Kentucky basketball with Larry and John as well. Our show comes to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio, Return, Refresh, and Refuel at Clark's. And our show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington, where we were yesterday with the Monday Morning Quarterback Show. Kentucky and Georgia... Tee it up at 3.30 on CBS on Saturday afternoon. Uh, Mark Stoops talked about it yesterday with the media and then on the weekly radio show, and that gets us into our Wildcat News of the Day presented by Giuseppes of Lexington. Uh, Stoops talked a lot about the Georgia defense, as you might expect. Georgia leads the nation in scoring defense, total defense, passing defense, and then they really drop off against the run down to number four in the nation. Stoops, at one point last night on the radio show, (laughs) Jokes, joked, uh, maybe only half jokingly, that uh, they remind him of the 85 Bears defense. And he said they don't do a lot of, you know, gimmicks or, or games with uh, blitzes and, and stunts and things. They pretty much play it straight up because they uh, are just so talented. So Kentucky has not scored a touchdown in the last two years against uh, Georgia. It was fourteen to three last year, twenty-one nothing the year before. Georgia's ain't going to given up a couple of touchdowns all season this year, and that's going to be the big challenge, I think, for the the Wildcats is uh, finding a way to to try to put enough points on the board to give themselves a chance to win. I think Kentucky uh, will hang in defensively and uh, I would be surprised if it is a lopsided game. I think uh, as focused as this team is, as uh, well as they're playing right now really in in all facets of the game, I think they will uh, go down there and go toe to toe with Georgia. It's just a matter of uh, how you know can you move the ball against that Georgia defense and um, I think in a game like this just you know, getting first downs is important because you want to win or at least get to a draw in field position, so that you don't, you know, get backed up in a hole and and you know, get, go three and out, and then Georgia takes over at their forty-five or something. You want to make them uh, if they're going to the points they score have to drive the length of the field against your defense, and then on the other side, see if you can find a way to you know force them into a mistake or two to give you a, a short field. Um, I think Georgia's defense is way better than their offense, and so I think that's where uh, I think Kentucky uh, can uh, can hang around. And the longer you hang around, still there in the fourth quarter, it's tied. It's a one-score game. Then uh, maybe uh, you can find a way to make a play or two that gives you a chance at the upset. Um, a couple of injury issues that are concerning for Kentucky. Stoops said yesterday, Octavius Oxendine's out for the season. He didn't elaborate on the type of injury, but he did say on the radio show that it's something that Octavius will, uh, there's great confidence he will make a full recovery from. So there won't be any uh, lingering issues for him. Uh, also, after the game Saturday, Liam Cohen said that Josh Ali was, Working kind of around the clock to, to try to speed up his recovery from an injury. Stoops uh, last night said that he he would it was not optimistic that uh, they would get Ali back for this game. So you lose uh, three starters really with having lost McCall the previous week and two of them in the defensive line. That's that's not good uh, for a matchup with the number one team in the country. That's uh, obviously uh, captain obvious there. Uh, a little basketball. Uh, Kentucky had an. Open practice yesterday. NBA scouts were still in town after the the pro day the day before, and they let uh, media members come in and watch as well. Um, Severe Wheeler apparently rolled an ankle at some point in practice. Don't have any word yet on the extent of of his injury. Uh, would suspect it's it's probably not a big deal, but um, we'll uh, see in the coming days. Calipari also said that Lance Ware got uh, hit in the throat in a practice and uh, was sitting out yesterday, but it's uh, considered a minor issue. And then the other thing is that uh, Toppin, Frederick, and Hopkins still were not full go yesterday, but Cal has said he expects them to uh, get to that status this week. Uh, Cal said that uh, we've got a ways to go, was one of his quotes. He said he likes uh, the fight of this team and their competitive spirit and how physical that they are and it was something that uh, certainly last year's team didn't have uh, much of that aspect said it's also a smart group of players good basketball iq links to the stories that we talk about here on the leach report can be found on the bud light leach report page at tom leach wildcat news of the day presented by giuseppe's of lexington i'm going to be heading there for a uh, birthday dinner uh, later this week if you've got a special occasion or looking for someplace to go after keeneland or after a big uk game head out to giuseppe's they've got live jazz music a climate controlled patio on these nice fall evenings that you can enjoy and they've added a drive-up window too if you just want to take giuseppe's home go to giuseppe's lexington.com to make reservations or to place your order we'll be right back yeah, It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. Welcome back into our Tuesday edition of the Leach Report. We are joined by Chris Doring. You see him on the SEC Network, the former Florida Gator wideout, who has been on the Kentucky bandwagon for uh, a while, as we've talked on this show before. You kind of saw what Mark Stoops was building here, but it is uh, his, at the moment, uh, Biggest year so far at 6-0 and heading into face Georgia. Before we talk about that matchup, Chris, uh, tell me what's impressed you about this particular Kentucky team.
1: Well, I mean, I think first and foremost, you look at uh, the defense. I mean, that's been the consistent part of this team the entire year. And, and we're talking about big-time names. I mean, going back to that Florida game, Josh Pascal, you turn the tape on, man. That guy's making plays every single down, showing up on tape. So uh, I love watching him, but, you know, guys like DeAndre Square and, uh, Jacqueline Jones coming over from Ole Miss, and and uh, what what uh, watched uh, Jordan Wright too. I mean, there's just some guys on that team that don't typically look like what we've seen from Kentucky defenses in the past. So I, I just am, am really impressed with uh, with what what I've seen from just the recruiting and development side. The development we've we've been, we've seen that before. I think we've always given credit to Coach Stoops and his staff for what they're able to do and and bringing some. Lesser talented guys in out of high school and turning them into big time players, but now they're starting to get some of the the better talent out of high school and and you know continuing with the the same sort of development and it's uh it's paying off. So the defense has been great. And then watching, you know, I was really kind of skeptical the last couple weeks of, of the offense and you know, Will Levis, some of his inaccuracy on the short to intermediate throws, and I thought that he did a, a much better job of of uh, throwing with accuracy, throwing on time, and completing some of those throws, and it just it, it, it makes the offense have a lot more rhythm, and, and you saw that on, on Saturday, the mix of, of, of the run with the pass and the compliment to one another and, and the difficulty of you know, what that puts on a defense, the, the strain that, that was caused to LSU. I watched the, the LSU defense today against Kentucky. They looked like they were lost for a lot of the, the evening, and it was uh, it was because of the great job that Liam Cohen was doing keeping them off balance and, and what they were using motions and some misdirection and just a uh, – a really nice job of, of the total game plan and the execution of the players on that side.
0: Well, with respect to, to that side of the ball, what can Liam Cohen and, and his offense do to try and throw a curve or two at Georgia and find a way to put some points on the board?
1: Yeah, that's what concerns me, Tom. I mean, I look at this Georgia defense as one of the best that I've ever seen, you know, watching a game as a fan and, and playing it in this league and then you know, watching it as a media member. Like, it's a, uh, it's a really well-built defense. I think the only real deficiency that I see, and, and, you know, I'm splitting hairs at this point, is in the secondary where they haven't necessarily, you know, played the ball in the air that well at times. You know, go back and look at uh, the success that Josh Van from South Carolina had on some jump balls. So I I don't think it's possible to, to drive consistently on this Georgia defense. So you have to have some explosive plays. I think that's what I probably look at as the best opportunity for Kentucky to score is to be able to. They hit some some explosive plays, but we just you know you, you look at, at Auburn last week. They were talking about being able to run the football against Georgia, and they they had 40 yards on the day. Now, certainly, I believe that the Kentucky offensive line and obviously Chris Rodriguez and the rest of that running back group are are really talented. But uh, it is tough sledding trying to just line up and, and beat Georgia every single play. So you got to hit a couple of those big plays, or, or else it's uh, it's going to be pretty unlikely to, to score the points you'll need to beat them.
0: Beyond just the talent that they have on that side of the ball, uh, as a guy who played the game, what is it that stands out about their defense and the way that they play it?
1: Yeah, I think I think they're they're very well coached. Obviously, um, you know, I look at the speed on the edges. You'll see you'll see times where it looks like uh, the offense may have the, the defense outflanked, but the the contain is just so fast that they're able to recover. They're able to you know turn what look like ten yard gains into maybe a one or two yard gain at most. Um, and, and they're very deep. All the guys look the same. I mean, if you look at the tape, we're talking about long, we're talking about athletic, we're talking about physical in that front seven. And then, you know, defensive line wise, everybody talks about uh, Jordan Davis, but, you know, I, I look at the rest of those guys. Jalen Carter is a guy that stands out to me, number 88, maybe better than Jordan Davis is. And Nicobe uh, Dean from that linebacker position, rushing the passer, is just uh, very difficult to block. So they're. They're, they're all very physically gifted and athletic, and there's a lot of them that roll in, so they stay fresh with the depth that they have.
0: Talking with Chris Doring from the SEC Network about the Kentucky-Georgia matchup on Saturday in Athens. With uh, respect to Georgia's offense, um, there's so much talk about the defense. Uh, what are the things that Kentucky will have to contain on Georgia when they have the ball? Uh, to try to make sure the dogs don't uh, put up the points they've been putting up.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm interested in what happens with the quarterback position because you know it, it, what a luxury it is to have a guy like Stetson Bennett who's been around for a long time that understands the offense that brings a little bit of a different wrinkle with his athleticism and what he can do in the quarterback run game, in addition to scrambling and and, and the pressure that puts on an opposing defense and the limitations that it causes. You know, in good coverage standpoint, you don't want to get your back turned in man coverage, and so you're trying to keep eyes on the quarterback a little bit more in some zone. So it's, a, it's going to be interesting to me whether JT Daniels is ready to go this week or whether they choose to go with, with Stetson Bennett again. But as I said, it's uh, not a lot of teams in this in this conference, let alone you know in the country, that have the type of, of uh, quarterback situation where you can you know, get the same sort of performance or get a, a high level of performance from your backup quarterback. And I was really impressed with, with what Stetson Bennett did on some of the shot plays the other day, the effectiveness of the play action pass—you guys know that. There, that's some of what you know everybody was expecting from Liam Cohen, and we saw it early against ULM. Was you know the, the the shot plays on first and second down out of run personnel, where you're you know you're 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 able to utilize your reputation as a as a run first team to take uh, some shots down the field in man coverage, and and so I think that was what stood out to me was a lot of those shot plays came off of play action, even though Georgia didn't have a ton of success running the ball in the first half. I want to say they were only averaging about two yards a carry. Uh, I think 18 carries for 36 yards, if I'm not wrong about that. But, um, you know, they, the reputation coming in after running for 273 against Arkansas, and the, every defensive coordinator is going to tell you you got to stop the run first. So it's been something that's played to the advantage, especially last week. Um, and, I, and I love the, the, the depth. You know, I talked about the defensive depth. Going into the season, you know, we weren't even sure who the pass catchers were going to be with, uh, you know, Reed Gilbert's absence and, and, and then Darnell Washington going down at the tight end spot there. You've seen Brock Bowers, a freshman step up. Lad McConkey's another guy that stepped up as a freshman on the outside in place of you know, George Pickens who went down and not getting Dominic Blaylock back and Kiaris Jackson being slow to return to the lineup. So you've had his, him stepping up. I think it's just been uh, Adonai Mitchell's another one. Like, it, it's, it's impressive. These guys have taken advantage of their opportunity, and now you know as you start to get a little more healthy, uh, it just gives you even more depth as you head into the second half of the season.
0: Would you think that if Kentucky has a a shot to be in this in the fourth quarter that it would require a big game from Wandale Robinson?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think that's been the thing that I've wanted to see even more the last couple weeks is, is get some additional touches. And I believe that was the first play of the game where they went with the the jet sweep and, and, and got it to Wandale. But I, I think you got to get it to him a lot. You know, you can tell me about the the status of Josh Ali, but I've, I've heard that he's probably going to be unavailable. Unlikely so, to play. Yeah, that's disappointing to hear in this game. So, you know, I, I think uh, Wandale's got to be the guy to hit some of those explosive plays we talked about that that are a necessity against Georgia's defense.
0: Chris, I appreciate the time, uh, as always, and uh, enjoy the games this weekend.
1: Yeah, Tom, thanks for having me, man.
0: Good catching up. Chris Doring does his homework, as you can tell. It's the Leach Report Radio Network for a Tuesday, and we will be right back. 27 past the top of the hour on this Tuesday edition of the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington in Palomar and in Hamburg. Larry Vaught joins the program now from vaughtsviews.com and Larry, we'll start uh, with a, a sad note on the passing of Warren Bryant. Uh, I know you uh, and I both uh, remember uh, the days of Warren Bryant as one of the top offensive tackles in college football for those uh, Kersey-led teams of 76, the uh, mid, mid to late 70s. And, um, you know, the guys were back last weekend celebrating those days and Warren Bryant uh, passed away, I think a heart attack at stage 65. It was sad to see that yesterday
2: same here tom he warren unfortunately wasn't able to be at the uh, reunion because of some other health concerns that he had not related to what ended up because of his passing but wasn't able to be there with him which is c- kind of a shame that he couldn't have been but yeah he i still think he's the best offensive lineman i've seen play at the uk and back, i still remember back in 1976 when cursey would Sometimes in situations, bring Arch Steele in and line him up at tight end beside Warren Bryant and Derek Ramsey would run behind them. It was just almost unfair. When you had those three big bodies all pushing people and all like that. But Warren was an easy-going guy. All his teammates really, really liked him. And, again, I he's had a lot of good offensive linemen I've seen, but I still think he's the best I've covered.
0: I uh, can't argue with you there. And, yeah. Um... Yeah, there wasn't too much deception about where the play was going when they had uh, Bryant and Still on that one right side of the line and Ramsey behind them.
2: <laughs> no, that, that there was not a lot of fanciness or tomfoolery going on with that those seventy six and seventy seven teams. And when they ended up, you know, winning a total of nineteen games in those two seasons, I mean, I know Mark Stoops has got things going on. Passing a lot of Fran Kersey's records and marks and other coaches' marks, but I still say the best Kentucky team I've seen play is that 1977 team. Now, maybe if this team runs the table, I'll change my mind, but until then, I, my vote would still go for 77.
0: Well, they could, uh, could make a strong case if they could uh, pull off this upset on Saturday, and we're going to get deeper into that when we come back and continue this chat in a minute. But I'm guessing over your way in Danville, it is uh, topic number one everywhere.
2: It certainly is, but a lot of people are really, really excited about football, and, and with good reason. Yeah,
0: well, somebody's been saying for a while now, this is a football state. Who was that?
2: Uh, absolutely, just <laughs> just glad to see many, many more are understanding. I had to tell Tom Hartley, he talked about this could be the glory years of, uh, of of for Kentucky. I said, go back and check that 1977-78 season out that kentucky had they weren't too shabby 10-1 in football won the national championship in basketball so football's been involved in some good times before
0: yep and uh, we'll get into a little bit of what uh, mr hart had to say to you guys on the sunday morning show when we come back halfway home on this tuesday edition of the leach report from the clark's pump and shop studio in lexington we'll be right back Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. It's the Leach Report served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. We're chatting with Larry Vaught from VaughtsViews.com and YourSportsEdge.com. He's also one of the hosts of... The uh, Sunday morning sports talk show here in the Lexington market on our flagship station uh, in downtown Lexington, and you guys got a chance to chat with uh, Tom Hart, who uh, was in working the game for the SEC Network Saturday night. So he came on with you Sunday, and uh, we'll start on the on the football side. He had uh, some encouraging things to say to Wildcat fans for this matchup Saturday, right?
2: Yeah, he sure did, Tom. Because I asked him if what he if he would be stunned if Kentucky could beat. Georgia after some of the things he'd said about Kentucky, and he said he would use the word maybe maybe surprised, which I think anybody could go along with that when Georgia's ranked number one, but said would not be stunned at all, and that he thought that Mark Stoops program he put together and the, what he'd seen in practice this week, he, or, or practice last week with the approach they took, and then the fact that they went out and for the first time this season played like a team that could be the number one team because they had an overall performance with their offense and defense both being good. Special teams was very solid. So I, I, Tom sees a lot of football. I know Kentucky fans really like him because they think he's uh, very fair and generous. Sometimes his praises the the cats but I also think he's very objective in what he also says, and that's what he does for a living. So I thought that's pretty high praise when you have a guy like that saying, yeah, he could he, he could see a scenario where it happens.
0: I thought the game three years ago against Georgia in early November when they were playing for first in the East like they are here uh, that Kentucky, the moment uh, maybe overwhelmed some of the Kentucky guys a little bit. I thought you know it affected them the game before and after Georgia and you know in within the game just all the distractions and the hype leading up to that I think maybe they just got caught up a little bit in that being in that situation for the first time good you know decent number of those guys are still on the team even if they weren't playing major roles back then they were a, a part of that week and uh deandre square talked a little bit about this after the game saturday and uh, i i think it's it'll be much different in regard to that aspect of uh this game coming up and i i think they will go down there very dialed in uh believing that they can win now it's a big ask, but uh, I, I would be surprised if uh, they get overwhelmed by the moment or the stage.
2: Yeah, I, I'm with you. They, they may still not win the game, but I don't think it'll be because they're overwhelmed by where they are the situation that they're in. I mean, this team has now won three straight bowl games. They did win ten games back in 2018. They have that experience to draw on. Now they came off back-to-back wins over Florida and LSU and the way they played against LSU really impressed me because to be able to come off a win like Florida and then keep yourself focused the way they did. That's one of the things Tom Hart talked about, how level-headed and focused they, mm-hmm. they've seen and relaxed all at the same time. And to come out and do that against LSU, and, and not the best LSU team in the country, but certainly not a horrible team either, and the team that probably send a lot of guys to play in the NFL and to come out and just dominate that game. I mean, I don't know how you were Tom, but it was twenty one to, to zero and then even when LSU scored, I don't think there was even a thought went through my mind that oh this could be bad. LSU might be getting ready to come back. I mean I never even thought anything like that. I just wonder well yeah. how long will it would take Kentucky to score again, just get back ahead and boom they went right down and scored.
0: Kentucky had uh, control right from the start. They uh, forced the fumble, watched down and you know got on the board first with a fourth and three touchdown how surprised were you on that call
2: i would say if you'd have if you'd have called over to me and said you want to bet your house on whether mark Soup's goes for the field goal or the touchdown i'd have said well you can put me down for the field goal because that's just in mark's dna and i don't know whether and you've talked to him a little bit one-on-one since it, i don't know whether it was just the the emotion of the game, whether it's maybe the emotion, he felt like they'd already been in the touch in the end zone and the officials had taken it away from him. And, you know, Stoops can get a little fiery sometimes where that was still kind of playing on him. And he just said, well, let's go ahead and stick it in there again or what. But that was totally out of character for how he would normally play a game. And I think sent a great message to the, to the players about, hey, we're here to win this game and let's go. And I think that'll be the same type of attitude he'll take into Georgia with him. And I was really glad to see it. But I will say I, I was stunned by that. I didn't think there was a chance he would go for the uh, touchdown there.
0: A Couple of things on that. Um, he, I think, in his first two or three years here, uh, did make some I think of, of those emotional types of decisions and got got burned by them. And I think he's matured as a coach, and I, I don't think that that you know touchdown that uh, they maybe thought they should have had. I don't think that's what it was. I think. It was a couple of things. He, um, I think, feels like those previous two games were two of the best defensive performances his teams have had in his time here. And so I think it was supreme confidence in how well his defense has been playing, that if they don't make it, they've got the ball at the three or four-yard line, we'll just stop them and get it back at midfield and do this again, that kind of attitude. But I think also he, he talked about he wanted to be aggressive and you know, uh, not have any sense of you know celebrating the win over Florida, I guess, but just to be aggressive and go right at LSU and you know take it to them early, and so uh, kind of a, a gut instinct thing that he he goes on that sometimes, and um, obviously that part of it is too. You know, if you have a play, you think that you got a good chance of succeeding with, and they were wide open on both sides of the yeah. field.
2: Yeah, yeah, the, the, the play call was the toughest thing with deciding who you want to get it to. Yes, yeah. but but Will made the quick quick choice right there and that was a, a great play and made it look so so easy and, and again it just set the, the tone for everything I think for every fan in the stadium mm-hmm. was really excited to see that too so I think it was just a terrific thing to do and I think Mark even uh I can't remember if it was after the game or, or maybe it was Monday at the press conference I can't remember which time it was he said but I think that's the same approach he's taken all this week when he's talking about yeah they're banged up and they're and they're tired and they're, and they're beat up and all but but they're going full-going practice this week. There's no there's no holding back. Let's get everything we've got, and we're going to practice just as hard or harder maybe than what we have and get ready for it again this week. And I think that's just the way you have to approach this type of game. Yeah, they've got some guys they wish they could have, but that's when you find out what kind of depth you have and what kind of team you have, and you just have to keep playing.
0: This was a breakout performance, I think, given the the, the level of the opponent for Will Levis and the Kentucky offense and our uh, – Freddie and I were talking on the show yesterday about something uh, our our buddy Jacob Tammy tweeted out, and uh, it was one of those things where you kind of read it and like, "Oh wow, that's that's strong." Where he talked about you know the, his respect that he has for uh, Kyle Shanahan and how he saw how you know Shanahan attacks defenses so well, and he saw some of that in Liam Cohen's uh, plan and Kentucky's execution against LSU.
2: Yeah, our, our buddy Jacob, he was on a social media roll most <laughs> of Saturday and, and about half of Sunday. I think he got pretty excited being back there with some of his 2017 mates thinking about their win over LSU and then watching what this Kentucky team did. He was putting a lot of wisdom and had a lot of swag out there, but I saw that too, and I think it's pretty accurate what, what he is saying. I think this is what. I mean, I even talked to Mike Pratt uh, earlier about did he worry about the lack of buzz for basketball. And he said, no, because football's doing so well. And there was so much juice for football with a new quarterback and, an, and a new receiver and a new coordinator that he understands all, the, all this that's going on with it. And now we're just starting to see it finally kick fully into gear. And if, if they happen to beat Georgia, that juice is just going to really <laughs> go up even more, as Mike would say. But even if they don't. They're still 6-1 going to the bye week, and have shown they can play really, really well. So, I mean, I think what we – you and I talked about before the season, you get through this three-game stretch, and you're still in contention to have a a great season. But I think they are going to be right there, even though the second half of the season might be going to be a little more more difficult than what I thought Or these last five games than maybe what I expected they might be.
0: Yeah, I think that's true. And, you know, you mentioned that 77-78 school year. You know that around this time of years, when they were beating LSU and Georgia combined by a score of sixty-six yeah. to thirteen, and you had the basketball team preseason number one in the country, and so they everybody managed to 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 handle both of them quite well.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's good. I think the longer you keep the attention off basketball, the better it is for those guys too because they'll, they'll have enough once their season yes gets going especially coming off the year that they did so i think they can enjoy this and and, and take the ride right along with everybody else so it's, it's just been a fun time it's already paying off in, in recruiting i think it'll keep paying off and i think this kind of season probably impacts your 2023 class more than it does your 2022 class even
0: yeah that uh, would make sense larry thank you much
2: all right tom John Hale in the on-deck
0: circle. When we continue, it's the Leach Report served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Mm -hmm. 13 away at the top of the hour. John Hale joins us from courier-journal.com. And if you go there, one of the stories you'll read in the sports section is uh, John's piece about uh, Mark Stoops and the interest that uh, he'll attract Perhaps from other schools, and after the way Kentucky has started this season. And uh, John, you're of the opinion from reading that story that uh, you think it'll take a lot to get him out of Lexington?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that we've known the last few years based on just how favorable his contract is here at Kentucky in terms of he gets this automatic extension every time they win seven games or ten games, and, you know, he gets a bonus of $250,000 every time they win for each win, starting at number nine in the season uh he's got one of the best contracts in college football and with all the investments they've made in terms of facilities and the stadium and recruiting and all those other things kentucky is not this you know b- bottom of the tier job that that it has had the reputation for most of its career so at that point it becomes uh, the only jobs that really should entice him away are traditional powers that are in the conversation for a national championship every year. And obviously those are the jobs everybody wants. So it was going to take a year, like a 10-11 win season, uh, that they maybe are in store for this year to I think, get him in the conversation for those jobs. So I, it's certainly possible if the right job opens up and offers him that he could leave for it. But there's just not a scenario where you know, for instance, Guy Morris leaves for Baylor or whatever. I think Kentucky football has passed that, where coaches leave for lateral moves or just slight improvements historically.
0: I was saying earlier that it's my sense that uh, the older guys, the seniors, and uh, on this team that were uh, around when Kentucky played Georgia uh, for for the SEC East lead in 2018 um, are. Uh, in a different mindset than that team was uh, i think as far as this stage and in this moment in that you know it was the first time to be you know that close to winning the sec east for kentucky and so now they're back in a position to put themselves in the driver's seat again three years later and those guys deandre square talked about this after the game that uh, he thought that uh, they would handle this better do you get that sense as well
3: yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously, Georgia's really, really good, so Kentucky could uh could play its best game and yep. still lose this weekend. But I, I do think just from a preparation standpoint, what they did against LSU last week tells me so much about where they're at mentally. Because, I mean, frankly, exactly. I picked them to beat Florida and lose to LSU because I was just expecting that prototypical kind of letdown after the huge win, after the big game. We've seen that so many times. The twenty eighteen team did it at Tennessee the week after they played Georgia for the SEC East, even though they didn't win that Georgia game. And I just thought it was coming. And to see them come out and take care of business all week in practice like they apparently did and just dominate that game the way they did on Saturday says a lot about maybe they got the message from, you know, not playing very well against Chattanooga about the preparation you have to put in every day, every week, that's obviously been the, the point that Mark has hammered home so many times uh, since the beginning of the season. And so it seems like they really are serious about taking care of business. And there's a lot of hype and a lot of, you know, pulls on their time in terms of fan interest and game day and all these other things right now. So it's hard to block all that out and ignore it. But I do think that this is a group, because they have so many veterans, so much, you know, older leadership who has been in this situation before that's, that's much better, you know, capable of handling it this year than they were in 2018
0: let me shift to a little basketball Uh, i'm assuming you got uh, a chance to watch the basketball cats over the last couple of days
3: yeah i was there uh, yesterday at rup we had an open practice and obviously uh the televised portion of uh, pro day on sunday so yeah we gotta look at them
0: what were your takeaways of that opportunity
3: yeah, well, I mean, obviously the, the news part of yesterday is Xavier Wheeler kind of went down with an ankle injury at the end of that practice. We still don't know how severe that is. He looked to be in quite a bit of pain, but, you know, those are things that maybe he feels better after he walked it off a little bit. It was right at the end of practice, so he didn't have a chance to come back. Wait and see what that's happened because they're already a little shorthanded in terms of uh, you know, three guys, Jacob Toppin, Bryce Oliver, and C.J. Frederick are, are still working their way back from injuries and weren't in the non-contact thing. Lance Ware also sat out yesterday. So my main takeaway was, you know, before Savir got hurt, even with four guys on the sideline, they still have a lot of depth in terms of they've got eight or nine guys that you feel good about putting in, in high level games right now. So how Cal figures out the minute situation and the breakdown, I'm glad I don't have to make that decision. I'm sure he'll, it, it will work itself out the way it normally does, but you know, their depth is already being tested, but luckily it seems like a roster that can handle a few losses at various
2: points.
0: You know, we talk about this with with football, like with uh, getting a quarterback ready. You try, you can simulate a lot of things in practice, but there's still nothing like those reps in a game to really give you some, uh, you know, insight and enlightenment as a coach. And I suspect it'll be a little bit that way for Cal in terms of what's actually going to be the 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 best you know rotation and distribution of minutes with this group.
3: Yeah, and, and that's, you know, we talked a lot about last year how important the summer was and not having the normal conditioning and practice and team bonding and all those things wouldn't affect the head on that team. But it also, I think, maybe doesn't get talked about enough, losing those five non-conference games against you know low major opponents they would have been playing in November was big for that reason. Because he didn't have a chance to go out there against lesser teams and, and figure some things out and see how they played together and find the best combinations. They're going to have that this year. It doesn't make for a very exciting home schedule, but I think it, it is important for the development of this team as he figures all those things out.
0: But the first one, right out of the box, uh, is a, a different animal, obviously, with Duke up at the garden. And, uh, you know, it's for, for a guy like. Cal uh as competitive as he is coming off the season that they had that's a chance to to make a statement I've got to think that drives him
3: no definitely and I think it's important that they have all these older players who can be in that situation I mean obviously it's a different animal playing for Kentucky but they have transfers who've played in big games before that'll help in that first one be interesting to see if you know any of their freshmen had that Tyrese Maxey moment in the opener in the garden where they, they prove that that they're capable of hitting the lights but i think that that's definitely we're talking about bouncing back from the worst season arguably in program history you get a a really nice chance to make a statement right away
0: uh i wanted to get a couple of basketball thoughts in back to football for the, the last question here uh if if kentucky uh shocks the world what would the script look like saturday
3: I mean, obviously they can't turn the ball over, so making strides in that area the last two weeks I think is important. Um, I feel like it's going to be low scoring if Kentucky wins. Uh, have to Do what they do on offense in terms of running the ball. Chris Rodriguez would have to have a huge game. Will Levis, I don't think, has to throw for 300 yards, but do what he did against LSU in terms of managing the game, making plays with his arms and his legs. And then the defense basically has to be what it was against, you know, South Carolina and Florida. That kind of elite performance. I think it'll take Kentucky's, you know, absolute perfect game to win against Georgia in Athens.
0: You can read John Hale's coverage uh, all week long leading up to the big showdown down between the hedges. It's at uh, Courier journalcom and on Twitter uh, at John Hale underscore CJ. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Leach Report Radio Network, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. And we'll come back with our final segment in just a moment. This day in Wildcat history, the Thin 30 got their first win. It was in 1962. The uh, famous Kentucky team that uh, was coached by The uh, new coach, Charlie Bradshaw, and he uh, put them through practices that were so difficult that most of the team left, and there were 30 guys that uh, hung around, and they got their first win on this day, 27-6 up at Detroit. One of them on that thin 30 team, uh, Talbot Todd, and uh, Catwalk takes place on Talbot Todd Way down there behind uh, Kroger Field each home game, and... uh, Talbot was just such a loyal Wildcat fan. I would see him over practice all these uh, years that I've been doing the games until he passed a few years ago, and uh, he would have loved what's going on right now with Kentucky football. Uh, that's going to do it for our show today. Back tomorrow with uh, Chris Fisher and Kyle Tucker. Uh, later in the week, Van Hiles going to join us. Uh, Scott Howard on Friday from the Georgia Network. We'll be talking, obviously, most of the time about this big matchup between the cats and the dogs down between the hedges on Saturday. We'll be right back in 24 hours on the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexi. Have a good day, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page.